We would like to welcome you this morning to Mission Bible Fellowship as Pastor Stuart Guthrie brings a message from God's Word. We hope it challenges, encourages, and strengthens your walk with the Lord. Let's pray. Father, we are here today to bring you praise and honor and glory. And, and Lord, I ask you today that you would be um, a God that would transform our lives this morning and build in our relationships with one another and, and in our homes and in our families to function in the manner in which you've called us to function. May this message settle well on the hearts of your children, on the elect, on those that are in Christ, as Peter has spoken of God throughout his word and throughout what we've studied so far. Father, we are grateful for the love that you have given us, the provision that you've provided for us. And Lord, we thank you for the things that you have withholded for us because of your goodness. Lord, help us this morning to know that you are more than just someone we call on when we're in need. But that you are an all-knowing and sovereign God and you know all things and you know all things that are going to happen and nothing passes by your seeing. Help us to know you more each day and to trust in your word more and more every day of our lives. I pray today, God, that you fill me with compassion and grace and mercy. But most of all, I pray for your filling of the Holy Spirit that I might speak your truth to your people. And we ask these things in the name of Christ. Amen. Well, for the last several weeks, we've, or the last at least couple weeks, we've talked about the S word. Not sin, but submission. I know that in our days, these topics are really sometimes hard for us to deal with. And today we're going to be talking about a topic that I'm sure will be hard for some to take. And I want to encourage you this morning. My purpose is not to, to put you down or to put you in your place, but my purpose is to preach this text the way God has laid it out and allow the Holy Spirit and all of His mercy and all of His grace and all of His compassion to convict your hearts and bring about change in you and in your hearts and allow you to function in the family in the way God calls us to function within our family. With all that said, let us get started this morning as we begin to look at an outline that we've been using. It's the second section which deals with Peter's response to the Christian submission in the family. And so we've looked at Peter's call to submission in government. We've looked at Peter's call to submission in the workplace. And this week we're looking at Peter's call to submission within the family. I've broke this up into two different sermons due to time. This week we'll be looking at what the wife's responsibility is in that. And next week we'll be looking at the husband's responsibility. So without delay, if you will, this morning, turn with me to the text. We'll be looking at 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 1 to 7. 1 Peter chapter 3, 1 to 7. If you will turn with me this morning, it says this In the same ways, you wives, be submissive to your own husbands, so that even if any of them are disobedient to the word, they may be won without a word by the behavior of their wives, as they observe your chaste and respectful behavior. 
Your adornment must not be merely external, braiding in the hair and wearing gold jewelry or putting on dresses, but let it be the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable quality of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is precious in the sight of God. For in this way, in former times, the holy women also who hoped in God used to adorn themselves, being submissive to their own husband, just as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord. And you have become her children if you do what is right, without being frightened by any fear. Here we have our last section, as we call to submission within the family. And he's telling us about the women's responsibility within the family. Two things that I want you to get from this text this morning is number one, the wife's role in submission. And secondly, the wife's role in modesty. Now before we get started, I want to give a warning to men. This is, this is what we'll be getting to next week, is the men. So as you're sitting in your seat this morning, you may send a nudge over to your wife. Don't forget, we are called to an imperative just as they are called to an imperative. And so uh, we're going to focus on women, though, do today for the sake of time. So let us look this morning at point number one, the wife's role in submission. Verses 1 to 2 reads, In the same way, you wives, be submissive to your own husbands, so that even if any of them are disobedient to the word, they may be won without a word by the behavior of their wives, as they observe your chaste and respectful behavior. Peter here is calling wives to submit in the same way unto their husbands. And the question that we have to ask ourselves is in what way is he calling wives to submit? Well, in the same way that we are called to submit into the government as if a leader by the man Nero was in leadership, or as one submits to a, as a slave to a master. And if you remember, in both of these cases in which he looked at, submission to the government and submission to masters are not based off of our circumstances, but is based off of God's calling in our lives. And there's consistency through all of these. As, as a father, as I prepared this, I looked at my girls. And I thought, as they grow up, how is this going to pan out in their lives as they are being taught to be submissive to their future husbands? Now, I want to be sensitive to this scenario because I don't know your personal life. But I do know that Scripture is sufficient. And it's the best thing for our lives. And God is in control. He knows all things. And His Word will not put us down. But it will keep us strong. And so as a preacher, I want to be sensitive to the situation. But really, Peter doesn't leave much room here for women not to be submissive to their husbands. He says in the same way that slaves submitted to their masters, so wives are to be submissive to your own husbands. Or you could say, in the same as Christ was submissive to the Father, so wives should be submissive to their husbands. And I think it would be very helpful to explain uh, why Peter is commanding this role within the home, within the family. And from the very beginning of time, God places roles within the family. Now in our culture, these are not very popular, but the reality is, is we see it from beginning to end within the Bible. The first thing we see is the creation order. Man was created first and woman second. That's spoke of in 1 Timothy 2.13. This morning, 
<clears throat> as I was at the, the breakfast table with my daughter, she asked me, Daddy, did uh, Adam and Eve have a mother and father? And I thought, wow, this fits perfectly with my sermon, daughter. Because the second thing we look at is the creation order. Man and all creations was created by God out of the dust of the ground, whereas woman was created through the, rib, the man's rib. And so I began to explain to her that this was God's order from beginning of time. God created man and God created woman out of man. And He gives us that order from the very beginning. The third thing we see is that, that, that man named woman. Adam named the animals and he named Eve. This was, and he was to rule over them and have authority over them. And then we see the delegation principle. The prohibition that he speaks to not eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And he was given directly by God to whom? Adam. And then Adam in return was to relay this message unto his wife, Eve. And then we see fifthly, woman sin first. And then sixthly, we see God rebuked Adam first after they had eaten of the forbidden fruit, showing his headship, letting him know that he did not fulfill his purpose and leadership within the family. And you say, well, pastor, that's all cultural. Well, Paul points out to Christians to the Mosaic Law 1,500 years earlier and in a different culture. Peter also pointed to Christians in 1 Peter to Sarah, which we'll look at today 2,000 years earlier in a very different culture. All of these things help us understand why the Bible teaches us the women are supposed to be submissive to their husbands. Now in our culture, people are taking advantage of this and I understand. But I want you to think about this. Do you not think it was happening then? Yes. That's why he's got a command here. Because it occurs to us that this was also taking place. That's why he placed the commands. Listen, we live in different times. And I understand women have different freedoms in our day than they did during this time period. Women of this time were oppressed. They were treated much like slaves and they could have been killed for about any reason at all. With no repercussions for the man. Now... In our day, women have different freedoms. They're not treated like slaves. They're not oppressed. They have freedom. They have the ability to do what they want to do and to become what they want to become. And while all that is great, and I think it's a great opportunity that women have this, I want us to understand these freedoms that women have today should never have the upper hand on God's creative plan for the order of man. God's Word is unchanging, and God's order always stays the same from beginning to end. If we look at 1 Corinthians 11.3, it says this, But I want you to understand that Christ is the head of every man, and that man is the head of woman, and that God is the head of Christ. This is God's order within the home. Now, this is not a bad thing. Some women may feel like it's a bad thing. Some men may be agree that it's a bad thing, but it's biblical. This is God's order, and when we follow His order, when we begin to understand that His word is without error, that it's all sufficient, and that it brings about good joy and peace in the home, we bring more honor to God. 
Women are called to submit. And listen, just because you submit to your husband doesn't mean that he's going to be a better husband. It doesn't mean he's going to become a glorified Christian man. But this is the best way you can serve the Lord in your marriage. Now I know that there are some here today that are waiting on their husbands to become deserving of their submission, but I agree with a man by the name of Vody Bauckham. As he says, you show me a woman who is waiting on a man to be worthy of her submission and I will show you a woman that has no intention for submitting. You, you may think that you have a man problem, but the problem at hand is a worship problem. And when we understand this, the world will revolve better. And our family lives will operate better because it's God's function. Submission is an act of worship. It gives faith towards God. Because your submission to your husband is an act of obedience to your God. You shouldn't submit because he deserves it, but because God commands it. Your trust in God should be that He knows best. And listen, I'm not going to say we're not going to struggle with this. I'm not going to say you're not going to fail in this. But what I am saying is that we can do this through the power, grace, and mercy of Jesus Christ. And that this is His call in Scripture. I'm just a delivery boy. You may be afraid to submit to your husband. But you are called by God to do it and your fear that He might take advantage of you should not supersede God's call in your your life as a wife to be submissive. You should be fearful of the Lord alone. And if we should be fearful of anything, it should be not following what God has commanded us to do. Not that He's going to strike us with a lightning bolt and remove us, our salvation from us. But to understand that when we trust in God, we trust in what is best. Don't mix up value and roles here, please, ladies. Please understand that you are equal in value to men. God is not saying that. The Bible never teaches that. But what we're talking about is roles, not value. Ephesians 5.22-24 says this, Wives, be subject to your own husbands as unto the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ also is the head of the church, He Himself being the Savior of the body. But as the church is subject to Christ, so also wives ought to be subject to their own husbands in everything. Paul supports this teaching. It goes as far as saying this, that wives should be subject to husbands in everything. He doesn't say when life is good, when, when our situations are good, when our husbands are living the perfect husband lifestyle and they're loving you as Christ. He doesn't say that. He says, in everything. And First Peter gives us that. That we are to submit even when we have a bad boss. Even when we have a bad husband. Now, just as we have an out in submission in the government, just as we have an out in submission within the workplace, so ladies, you have an out of submission in the, in the home, in the family. Your husband cannot ask you to submit to anything that God has commanded you not to do. And you ladies also don't have to submit when your husband asks you to do something which God has commanded you to do, not to do. There's your out. 
That's what you are given. And so we should, we should hope to see that the ladies in here today would be submissive to their husbands in everything. And while that could be the hardest thing you ever do in your life, it is a way that you can glorify your God in heaven through your lifestyle as a wife in the home. Likewise, Jesus submitted to the will of the Father. That's why I used that verse this morning as He is in Gethsemane. As He's in anguish and pain, he, he pours out to the Father. He says, take this cup from me, but not my will, but your will be done. He submits to the Father in something that was so hard that He sweated blood. I don't know about you, but I've never sweated blood, so I don't think I've had it that hard. But Jesus is our example. This is a self-sacrificial submission for the sake of Jesus Christ. For His name's sake. So that if, so that even if any of them are disobedient to the Word, they may be won without a word by the behavior of their wives as they observe your chaste, respectful behavior. Two things that I get out of this. The first thing, these women were married to unbelievers. Okay, and so I think there's a special message here. I think this portion of Scripture is talking about submission, but it's also talking about a purpose of winning an unbeliever back to the Lord. And so he's, we see these women are married to unbelievers. Now, these women were most likely uh, saved or came to Christ after they were married. But Peter is saying, listen, you live on a mission field, ladies, right here in your own home. You submit to that man as if... You were submitting to Christ and when He sees your chaste, or you could say when He sees your faithfulness or your purity or your adornment or your modesty, your innocence and the respectful behavior that you have, this will be your best tool of outreach. Now please understand clearly that Peter is not saying that your lifestyle will save your husband. That, that would contradict what Peter has already said. In chapter 1, verse 23, we see how that is people are saved then and they are saved still today. He says this, 1 Peter 1, 23, For you have been born again, not of seed which is perishable, but imperishable. That is through the living and enduring Word of God. How is it we're saved? Through the Word of God. Men are saved. Salvation comes by hearing and hearing the Word of God, not by seeing and being an example. It's important. And you might not be the one that leads your husband to the Lord. But you don't want to be the one that becomes a stumbling block. You leave that up to Jesus Christ. You submit to Him as you were submitting to Christ. This is the lifestyle that will help win your loved one to the Lord. Your faithfulness to your Lord and Savior is the best example you can be to an unbelieving husband. Don't beat him over the head with the Bible. Don't leave him Scripture under a glass of liquor. Don't post Scriptures all over the house. Those, listen, the Word of God is powerful, and I agree with that. But here, the context is teaching... That's not your job to do. Your job is to be submissive and through that lifestyle, you will make it more of an impact. You can't save your husband no matter how bad you want. 
And I know there are women in our church who have unbelieving husbands, and let me tell you, because we pray for them. On a regular basis, we lift their husbands up that they would come to know the Lord Jesus Christ. And it pains these women. It's hard to live under the roof. I mean, can you imagine as a believer and follower of Jesus Christ to live under a roof with someone who mocks you? Wow! That's the second thing I want to bring that it brings to mind. Is marriage between unbelievers and believers is a bad idea. It's not biblical. It teaches against it. Don't place yourself in that situation, people. Especially you young people. I don't care how good looking they are. I don't, have, I don't care how good of a life they are have or how good of an impact they're making in the world. Do not commit yourself to an unbeliever. It's not biblical. And you'll be in the roof, under the roof of a house with someone who is mocking your Christianity. This is a covenant picture of Jesus Christ in the church. And you may already be there this morning. You may be living in that relationship. And the, and the Lord wants you to stay there. He doesn't want you to leave. Because again, it's a picture of Jesus Christ in the church, His covenant. And when Jesus Christ starts breaking His covenant with the church, which will never happen, you can do it. He says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. He says, Lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. Our covenant relationship with Jesus Christ can never be broken if we are in Jesus Christ. And we shouldn't want that to break our marriages. Now, I understand there are outs. It's taught in 1 Corinthians 7. Give in-depth teaching on this. If you want to know more about it, I'd be glad to meet with you and go over it. But we're not here today because the context doesn't take us there. We see the wife's role in submission, but listen, we also see the wife's role in modesty. I ask myself, where does this come from? I mean, we're in the middle of talking about wives submitting to husbands, and then he throws modesty into it. And I'm trying to think to myself, I don't get it, I don't understand it, but as I studied it, I think he's talking about the behavior of you women. You see, many women feel and believe that they have to uh, look good on the outside to win the hearts of man. But listen, there's good looking women all over the place. Your outward appearance is not what wins the heart of your man. It's the inward appearance that pours out. You win the heart of your man by the way you look on the inside. By the lifestyle you live inwardly, which results outwardly in submission. In submitting... Listen, remember what we talked about, the little kid sitting in the corner? This morning, if you're here and you say, I'm submitting on the inside, but on the outside, on the outside I'm submitting, but on the inside I'm, I'm really rebelling. I'm not. I do it all the time. These last four weeks have been hard for me. As I've submitted on the outside, but on the inside, I'm stubborn. It's no different than wives who want to be submissive on the outside, but on the inside are raging wolves against their spouse. It's hard. But we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. And we need to learn and grow in that and become more faithful in doing what God's Word says. Not so that we can again become some super Christian. 
but so that we can truly glorify God through our lives. He says this, Your adornment must not be merely external. The braiding of hair, the wearing of gold jewelry, the putting on dresses, but let it be hidden person of the heart, which is imperishable quality of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is precious in the sight of God. You see, the way you look on the outside is not precious in the sight of God. Listen, I don't think any man would agree he don't want no ugly woman. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying to gate the outside and just let it fall to pieces. But what I'm saying is don't focus so much on the outside that you don't get the inside right. Peter is saying that braiding is, it, is not saying that braiding hair is wrong. He's not saying that wearing jewelry is wrong. He's not saying that putting dresses on is wrong. He's not condoning these things. But what he's saying is that your adornment must not be merely external. The point he is making is the verse does not say it's wrong to dress up, to make yourself look nice. But the greater value is on the inside. She shouldn't get out of hand patching herself externally while forgetting to patch internally. What she says is the inward person of the heart. That's what's valuable. We will not look as good as we do 10, 20, 30 years down the road. You may be hot and smoking right now, men and women both. But in 30 years, you won't look so good externally. But our hope is that internally as we grow, and as we get older, we come closer to Christ. And our internal makes our outward look so good. Have you ever wondered how an 80-year-old and a 90-year-old can say, Boy, my wife is most beautiful woman in the world when things don't fit the way they used to fit. It's because the internal is more important than the external. He says, this is an imperishable quality of a gentle and quiet spirit. I like one commentator said it this way, this beauty available to all women is much deeper and more valued by God. You may say, you don't ever want me, you don't ever want to go to church with me, husband. I always do for you, but you never do for me. I do this because God calls me to, not because I love. When you start treating me like a woman, I'll start treating you like God commands me to do. Would you agree that's not a gentle and quiet spirit? This gentle and quiet spirit gives the idea of having complete control. There's power in this gentle and quiet spirit. There is power in this gentle and quiet spirit. Then begins to give the ladies a role model. Verse 5 says, For in this way in former times the holy women also who hoped in God used to adorn themselves being submissive to their own husbands. He says holy women those holy women are those who hoped in God and those who had hoped in God adorned themselves and they adorned themselves, how? By being submissive to their own husbands. Here is the example, ladies. This is the example. Not this trash you see on the bookshelves when you walk into a store. 
that they put right about the level that my five-year-old has to look at and my seven and eight-year-old daughter has to look at and say, that's what I need to grow up to look like. That's not the example that Peter gives us. I went to J.C. Penney's this week as I was looking at new suit and tie. And when I saw the price, I said, I'll just wear the two I got. <laughs> and as I walked through the store, listen, I saw many models and they looked good. They were dressed up perfect. They, had, they matched. They, they, they looked good from top to bottom. But as I got closer, they were mannequins. Okay? They looked good on the outside, but on the inside, they were empty. Peter doesn't give us that kind of model. He gives us women who were honorable models. He says this in verse 6, Just as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, and you have become her children if you do what is right without being frightened by any fear. Do you see how far we've gotten? Ladies, they, they I mean, called him Lord. Well, my wife ain't never called me Lord. <laughs> that was supposed to be a joke. <laughs> I heard somebody else say it, and I, I actually crossed it out here, but I said, well, I'll say it anyways. This was an act of respect that came from the inward beauty of a woman that was submitting unto her king. Now, I'm going to put my wife on the spot here. Because my wife is a great example. My wife is a great example as she serves me as if I were her Lord. And let me tell you, until you experience that relationship in your own home, you can't appreciate it. Do you think I deserve this? I'm a sinner saved by grace and I fall short in a lot of areas in my, in my marriage as a husband. But she gets it. She serves her king through her submission and honor to me as if she was calling me Lord. Don't tell my wife, oh, give it a few more years and you'll, you'll change your mind. No, you don't tell her that. She is serving her king through this relationship. She's one hot smoking lady on the outside, but on the inside she is knocked down, dragged out as well. That is, what is, that is what Peter is speaking of here. He wants us to look good on the outside, women. Or he wants y'all to look good on the outside and look good on the inside as well. Through your life of submission to your husband as unto the Lord. You see... He's speaking of Sarah as he says, you've become her children if you do what is right without being frightened by any fear. You see, when you come to faith in Jesus Christ, and I know many of you in here, most of you are believers and followers of Jesus Christ. You become the family of faith of Abraham and Sarah in some way. I was reading Hebrews this morning, and it really touched on this. How we are children of Abraham. But you're also children of Sarah. She's your motherly example. And if you do right through submission and inward change without being fearful 
in submitting to a sinful man, you will be like her children. And a godly example to the world around you that desperately needs to see what it is that submission looks like in the home. Your service is to your king. Will you serve him well from this day forward? God doesn't say here to leave your husbands. He doesn't say to preach to them. He doesn't say badger them with the gospel. Here in the context, Peter is simply saying, what is best for your unbelieving husband? So work on the inside and be submissive. You can do this because Christ has given you the ability to do this through the power of the Holy Spirit. You must rely on the Lord and the power that He's given you. I want to end with this quote by Jeannie Edwards. I have no idea who he is, but I really like what he had to say. He says this, Gethsemane is simply that hour when you finally align your will with the will of God. It is when you agree, accept, embrace your crucifixion. Any human daring to follow a divine path will come upon a Gethsemane. Each will tarry there until he realigns his or her will with divinity. Or he or she will completely miss the divine way of things. The question I have for you this morning. Will you today at your Gethsemane say, Not my will, Lord, but yours be done. Will you submit to your husbands as unto Christ? Some may simply need to submit to Christ alone. Because unless you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, you will not be saved. But He hasn't left you there. He's given you that opportunity by providing a ransom through His Son, Jesus Christ. That whoever believes in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ shall be saved. Believe and you will be saved. And you can begin your journey of submission to the Lord. Because as both men and women, we've been called to submit to one thing or the other. Let us pray. Father God, we love you and we thank you for who you are. Your grace, your mercy, and the power you've given us the work of Jesus Christ to conquer our own personal desires, our own personal agendas. God, we just cry out to you today that you would help us live lives that would bring honor and glory to you through our marriages and in our family. Father, I know there are many single mothers and God, you have an order for that as well. And Lord, we just pray that each person here would be submissive unto their own husbands, unto the church, unto the Lord Jesus Christ, until we see you face to face. For we know that this is good and pleasing in the sight of you. We ask these things in the name of Jesus. Amen.